Every story in Scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen. With this video, we are beginning a new course of study that will take us into the rest of September and into October. We hope in uninterrupted sequence, bi-weekly. I try to get these posted on Tuesdays and Saturdays. This is not really a topical study we are about to begin, nor is this an expositional study where you move through the text verse by verse. This is a survey of Bible history in 17 periods. So there will be 17 classes in video format. Each class will be approximately 15 to 20 minutes moving through the portion of Bible history that's planned for each class. The first two questions I need to answer are why and how. Why? There is a very real need for us to have fixed in our minds a simple timeline of Bible events. Knowing history always means knowing sequence. In some respects, that isn't too hard. The Old Testament comes before the New Testament. Moses and Abraham are Old Testament figures, though they are mentioned in the New Testament. So some of this sequence of Bible history is relatively easy. But when you get into the kings and the prophets, the wilderness, the judges, the captivity, the return, well, that's where we may need some help. What we're going to be doing is useful for Bible readers and Bible students to have a basic understanding of the sequence of Bible history. God has given us this history. Apparently, this is good for us to know. Now, how are we going to do this? Well, we are simply going to move through the timeline in survey format section by section. Not so much details are complete narratives. We want to know where things go, when things happen. We want to make good connections between causes and sequence. We want to see the flow of Bible history and where it is headed. You can take notes on the pages provided. If you're viewing this video and you don't have those pages, send me a message and I'll provide the worksheets. The Zoom classes, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, will discuss the class content. The best preparation for the Zoom sessions is to watch the video. That will enable you to think about your answers before we connect on Sunday and Wednesday nights. The worksheets are in PDF. You can print or use on your device as you see fit. I need to acknowledge in the very beginning of this study some sources that I relied on in addition to the primary text, which of course is the Bible. There is something on the internet very cleverly put together called three-minute Bible study. To help me organize all this, I have followed a plan by Scott Smelser, a gospel preacher, in his video here on YouTube, Three-Minute Bible Study. 
If you will watch or listen to that video, maybe two or three times a week, that will help you memorize these 17 periods. I've also used for a number of years now the workbook by Mark Hines, who preaches in Corpus Christi, called The Big Picture. You see these resources on the screen. There are others too numerous to mention that have helped me put this course of study together. So we are now ready for class number one, and we call this Before the Flood. Now, this class is not just to get a timeline fixed in your knowledge or learned facts. Here's what I said when I opened the video. Every story in Scripture awaits a response. By that I mean there are lessons to learn from every page of Scripture. There are illustrations rich in wisdom, dealings of God with men that educate us, narratives between people, between nations. All of these things have built in them good instruction for us. These classes will not be dry history given in sequence. Every story in Scripture awaits a response from us. We will make this practical while at the same time learning valuable historical context. So let's get started. We're talking about the first major period of Bible history covered in Genesis 1 through 5, and it's about what happened revealed by God through Moses before the flood. In Genesis, the first five chapters, we are informed by the account Moses provides of creation, Adam and Eve in the garden, their sin, the episode between Cain and Abel, and then some genealogical information that becomes the introduction into the next section. God created the heavens and the earth and then created man. God did this by speaking into existence that which had no previous existence. This account is given in sequence, and the divine affirmation is it was good. God's work of creation established his right to rule, to be the sovereign over what he made. He made human beings in his own image. In a moment, I'll speak to that in more detail. God's right to rule is seen in the rules that he gave to Adam and Eve. They were generously provided for, but forbidden to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 2.17. Eve was approached by a serpent, and she listened to him, ate of that fruit. After her, Adam ate also. Since that rule came from God, they were now guilty of sin. Consequences followed for all involved and for humanity in general. We are not guilty of their sin, but we do experience the earthly realities God decreed when sin entered. Please make a note. God said, as these curses were announced, that the serpent would be defeated by the seed of woman. Genesis 3.15, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman 
and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The New Testament shows this was about the victory of Christ in his death and resurrection over Satan. In Mark Hines' book that I referred to earlier, he deals with this as five facts about Genesis 3.15. Let's review those. It is the first prophecy in the Bible. The seed of woman is ultimately Christ, Jesus Christ. Satan bruised the heel of Jesus through the crucifixion. Jesus crushed the head of Satan through his resurrection, and God always had a plan to redeem man from his sins through Jesus' death. Moving now to Genesis chapter 4, the story about the sons of Cain and Abel. Both worshiped, but one offered worship not acceptable by God. Cain was angry and murdered his brother Abel. In the New Testament, Abel is commended in Hebrews 11 as a righteous man. Cain suffered great consequences for that sin of murder. Chapter 5 of Genesis bridges the gap and leads us genealogically into what's ahead, taking us to Noah. Notably in this list is Methuselah, who lived to be 969 years. Yes, I think we can say 969 years old. So, you see what we're doing here? This is not verse-by-verse verse exposition. This is a survey with sequence to help us get a good grasp of these periods of Bible history. Now, there is a passage in this section I have selected for further study, and that will take us into the practical lessons we need to learn from this section. I want us to look at Genesis 1, 27. Genesis 1, 27. I'll spend a few minutes here, and then we'll take up our practical lessons. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Please may we consider those three powerful words. God created man. This is the truth about our origin. I'm glad to know I didn't just evolve up out of the slime through monkeys. God created man. That's a cherished truth that we ought to rejoice in and contend for. From this book, the Bible, that is accompanied by powerful and assorted evidence of its credibility, this creation truth is vital. It's the beginning place on the first page. God created man. The next part, in his own image. Let's talk about that. This isn't about visual or physical similarity. The idea is not that we look like God in a physical, visual way. 
And this is not telling us we are God. No, of all God made, he made us unique. Like him in significant and specific ways. Not in every way, in significant and specific ways, he made us like him. We have the capacity to think, to make choices, to communicate, to love. Rocks and trees and animals do not bear this imprint, do not share these qualities with God. Let this motivate you, encourage you, and take you to good choices to be like God in every way that he intends. One more part of this I want us to get hold of is Genesis 1.27, where it says God created male and female. Because of the systematic working of error in our modern culture, we have to talk about things we thought we would never be addressing. The blending and blurring of gender differences, now even written into political platforms. Here is the truth in the first part of the Bible. God made male and female. That distinction God built into nature is today denied and redefined and perverted to accommodate immorality. The truth is men and women are different, and God did that. God created man in his own image, male and female. And Jesus refers to this truth when he spoke of marriage in Matthew chapter 19. What do we need to take from this period of Bible history. I'm going to conclude by bringing up three things we need to take from this. Who God is, the creator. Think of scripture. Think of Bible history as a journey from the beginning to the establishment of the church. Throughout that journey, we are able to become better and better acquainted with God the creator, his attitude toward man, his purposes, his grace and mercy, who God is from the pages of scripture into our minds is critical to our activity of faith and spiritual growth. Listen to Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, verse 6 in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We believe he is, and we learn and we know that he rewards those who seek him. We learn that and discover that as we go through scripture, learning who God is, loving him and obeying him, responding to his grace. That's what life ought to be for those made in the image of God. Who we are, people made in God's image. 
There are various philosophies and religions that are driven by materialism, affirming that we are no more than the physical elements that compose the body. We are like the material elements, there being nothing more to us, say some. A careful trip through Genesis and what comes after Genesis takes us to great confidence that man was made in the image of God and that that's a part of who we are and who we ought to how we ought to respond to the Creator. James 3 and verse 9 speaks of how guarded we ought to be, for example, in the use of the tongue, making this point. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And then I'll add wisdom for life is living under the rule of the Creator. Once the conviction is formed, that God is the creator and therefore has the right to rule, the question is, am I living under the rule of the creator? Not just have I selected the right religion or church, higher than that, am I living day by day under the rule of the creator? I want you to listen now to the last two verses in Ecclesiastes. Now, all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. That's our study. May I highly recommend, after watching this video or listening to this recording, visit that site, three-minute Bible study and start memorizing the 17 periods of Bible history. This is going to help you in listening to sermons and Bible classes. It's going to help you in your daily Bible reading, in conversations with people about the Bible. It will help you. This is fundamental. It's all about what you do with your life. Tune in again for the second session, the second period in the 17 periods of Bible history about Noah and the flood. Thank you for listening.